Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon Podcast, a ministry of Wellspring Church in Hudsonville, Michigan. We pray you are blessed as you listen to this teaching from God's Word. Amen. It's good to see uh, most of you remember to set your clocks forward. When I was in junior high school, I was on, at recess, it was after lunch, we were outside and this girl came up to me, and she's very, very upset with me, and I honestly can't remember what I had done or what I had said to her that made her so upset. In fact, I believe, if I remember correctly, I never knew. I didn't know exactly, but she was fiery mad, and, but I certainly remember the, what she kept saying to me, the phrase she kept saying to me. She kept saying, you are nothing. You are nothing, and she just kept yelling this over uh, and over again to me. Fast forward a few years up, in, up back to, in high school, I believe I was in 10th grade, I decided to run for vice president of my class. Uh, and so the, the school made it a lot of fun. There were uh, several candidates. We got to hang posters in the hallways. We even got a couple times where we could over the loudspeaker in the morning campaign. And they just made it a lot of fun. And I wasn't one of those super popular kids, so I actually didn't expect to win. But uh, lo and behold, for whatever reason, I won. Uh, and I was so excited. And of course, I went home and told my family. I told my friends. And that weekend, I went over to my cousin's house, uh, who I hung out with so, so, uh, a lot, quite a bit. And his mom, I really loved his mom. His mom was really good to me. And yet his mom was known to have some emotional instability at times. And she would actually say some things to people that were uh, hurtful. And so after uh, my cousins and other people that were there were congratulating me, I excused myself and went to the restroom. And as I was walking back down the hall, she met me. And she looked at me and she says, you think you're something, but you're nothing. And at this point I'm thinking, what is this with people telling me I'm nothing? I mean, the first time that it happened, it was from a, a fellow student that I hardly knew. didn't really affect me that much. It was embarrassing. Uh, it unnerved me a bit, but, uh, you know, my parents, they loved me. They told me I was something. They told me I was something to my creator. And so I had truth in my mind that guarded my mind from receiving that accusation or that lie that I was nothing. The second time, again, I had a guard over my mind with the truth that I actually was something, but it was a bit more emotional. It, it made me feel sad because of the connection I had with her, because of the love I had with her. Psychologists tell us that there is a direct connection between our thought life and our emotions, between our thought life and our moods. In fact, they even say that depression always, always starts with a thought in your mind that you allow your mind to be taken captive with. That a, a lie that you tell yourself, that somebody else tells you, that you think about it, that it becomes part of your thought process, uh, and instead of dismissing it, you actually mull it over and you dwell on it, and as you dwell on it, your emotions become sadder and sadder, and it can fall, you can lead into depression if you continue down that path. And this is one reason the Bible talks so much about the need for us to control and protect our minds. You see, God knows the power of the mind. He created it. He made it. And he knows, that the, he knows that those things that we allow our minds to dwell on will eventually affect our emotions 
and our emotions will eventually can affect our character, and our character will affect our actions. And Satan knows this as well. He knows if he can take captive our minds through lies, that it's one step towards taking captive our lives. Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The heart is used as a metaphor for your emotions in the Bible over 800 times. Around 200 times of those 800 times, it's in the context of discussing your thought processes. And the reason is, is because the only thing that can get into your heart is what you first let into your mind. And therefore, Solomon says, guard your hearts. And to do that, we must first guard our mind. Someone once said, sow a thought, reap a deed. Sow a deed, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. It's a domino effect. Proverbs 23, 7 puts it this way in the Old King James Version. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The point is that to be able to safeguard our hearts and therefore to be able to keep our actions righteous, we must first safeguard our mind. We must protect our mind from allowing lies and things that are unbeneficial to our spirituality to enter our mind, to become part of our thought process. And this is the essence of what Peter's going to discuss with us today in 2 Peter. We left off with chapter 3. Last week we'll pick up there. If you're new here, this is your visitor here. Over the past several weeks we've been going through 2 Peter chapter 2 where Peter has introduced to us false teachers, what he calls false teachers. uh, People who spew lies, people who promote lies to others. Uh, And we've seen where Peter has broadened his focus not just to refer to people that are standing behind pulpits or in classrooms that are uh, positions of teaching that are spewing lies and promoting lies, but he broadens it to include people in society that are promoting false things, falsities, lies of all kinds through uh, political means or social means, but he also broadens it to the church in regards to gossip and slander. We've seen that that's clearly on Peter's mind over the last several weeks. He's talking about anybody who promotes lies. And he says, don't listen to them, because listening to the lies of false teachers will lead to your destruction. Today, in chapter 3, he's continuing his thoughts regarding those who promote lies, and he's going to now focus on helping us identify how to combat a lie, but also how to identify a lie. How to combat a lie, what to do, when you recognize a lie, but also even so, how to identify a lie. What's the product of a lie that you can identify that it is something that Satan's seeking to use to put in your mind to rob you of your peace, to rob you of your joy, to rob you of your effectiveness as a Christian. Let's read verse 1 of chapter 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. This is really an amazing verse because here he says that I have written both letters, both 1 Peter and 2 Peter, with the goal, the primary goal of 
being able to stimulate you to wholesome thinking, to think rightly, to help equip you to guard your mind from unwholesome thinking. What is wholesome thinking? What does he define as wholesome thinking? The Apostle Paul helps us out in Philippians 4, 8, where he writes this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, think about such things. Only allow your mind to dwell on things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, and excellent. In other words, guard your mind from things that are not those, that are not pure, that are not noble. In other words, guard your mind from things that are not spiritually edifying. Guard your mind from things, from conversations, and from dwelling on things that are depleting your spiritual fervor. And here we see Paul gives us eight characteristics of things that are wholesome to think about. The first one is true. Is it true? And that first one, true, is, is foundational to all the others. For it to be noble, it has to be true. For it to be pure, it has to be true. For it to be lovely, it has to be true. For it to be admirable, it has to be true, on and on. So we see here that the first way to identify um, a lie is, is it true? And that's what he's been talking about all through the, the second uh, chapter of Second Peter. He's been saying, look, identify what is not right, what is not true, so that you can dismiss it. But what we also see here, implicit, is that the second way is to ask yourself, is the thing that I'm thinking about, the thing that I'm allowing in my mind, the conversations that I'm having and participating in, are they leading me, are they stimulating my mind to wholesome thinking? Are they stimulating my mind to dwell on things that are excellent, that are praiseworthy, that are admirable, that are pure, that are lovely, that are righteous, that are noble? Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome thing come out of your mouth. Only let that which is beneficial and edifying to the listener come out of your mouth. Unwholesome thinking will lead to unwholesome emotions, will lead to unwholesome actions. And so Peter says here that the number one objective that I have in writing both these books, if you get nothing else out of the study of my books, if you get this one thing, and that is the ability to guard your mind from wholesome things and to fill your mind with wholesome things, I've accomplished my main purpose. Why? Because when a person allows their mind to dwell, whatever they allow their mind to dwell on, will become a part of their identity and how they will live their life out. What you choose to dwell on can either produce the peace that God promises, the joy that God promises, the spiritual effectiveness and fervency that God desires for you to have to build up His kingdom, or unwholesome thoughts will lead you into the depletion of those things. Peter said a very similar thing in his first book in 1 Peter 1.13, where he wrote this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at His coming. That verse is, is, is 
very enlightening. Notice there, he gives us a three-step process. Let's leave that verse up good. A three-step process for readying our minds to think on wholesome things. A three-step process to guard our hearts by guarding our minds. And the first one there, he says, is be alert. Be alert. In other words, ask yourself, is it true what another person is telling me? And secondly, is it stimulating my mind to dwell on wholesome things? Is it beneficial to my spirituality? What's the product that's taking place in listening to this, to what another person is saying, to what I'm reading, to the music I'm listening to, to the television and movies that I'm watching? Are they true? Are they promoting truth? Are they promoting purity and righteousness and holiness? And one way to identify whether they are, whether it's something that God is wanting to infiltrate and fill your mind with, or whether or not it's Satan trying to infiltrate your mind with unwholesome thoughts, is to ask yourself, what's the product of it? What's it leading me to think about, to dwell on? What's it leading me to do? Is it prompting me to be to pursue God more, to work for Him more, or is it doing the opposite? So it's clear here that Peter's very much thinking about false teachers, and he's continuing this thought process, and he's encouraging us to evaluate, to identify. To identify, is it true? Is it righteous? Is it holy? Be alert. Think about what you think about. Think about what others are telling you. Be alert. Be able to identify whether the conversations that you are participating in and the things that you are taking in and the teachers that you are listening to, on and on we could go. The conversations you're having at the water cooler at work, are they true, but also are they beneficial? Are they stimulating me spiritually? Be alert. The second thing we see in that verse there is to be fully sober. To be fully sober. In other words, we are to stay in such a state of mind not only to be able to identify lies and things that are not beneficial in building us up, but we're also to be able to stay in such a state of mind that we are able to take it captive, to do the proper thing about it, to be able to relinquish it. One of the reasons the Bible tells us that we're not to be intoxicated with alcohol is because when you're intoxicated with alcohol, your mind is dulled. Your inhibitions is lowered. Your reasoning abilities and faculties are lowered and lessened to a great degree. And when you are intoxicated with alcohol, you will do many things that you would have never dreamt of doing. At least you will have a lot of apologies to to give in the morning. And so here he's saying be sober-minded. Be in such a state of mind that you're able not only to identify the lie, not only to identify, be on the lookout for things that are not edifying you, that things that are you are tempted to allow in your mind and to dwell on that aren't beneficial, but also be able to do something about it. Have the fortitude to be able to relinquish it, to refuse to listen to it, to refuse to dwell on it, to refuse to participate in it through conversation and through listening. He uses those same two words, be alert and sober-minded in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and sober-minded for your enemy, 
the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In other words, this is a matter of spiritual warfare. Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to use somebody to bring you down spiritually. I've seen this time and time again, and it's one of the most discouraging things of being a pastor. Somebody gets saved at the church, a young person in their faith, and a gossiper or a slander or another believer in Christ in the church starts filling their minds with all kinds of suspicions and lies. And eventually that person many times gets out of church. It's Satan using the influence. Remember, we talked about how he can do this with believers to seek to destroy the confidence in the church or of the church in a weak believer. Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul talks about the spiritual armor that we are supposed to put on. And one of, one of the things we're supposed to put on daily is the helmet of salvation. The Apostle Paul is not just talking about being saved. You don't, as we talked about last week, you don't put on and take off, put on and take off daily your salvation. The Apostle Paul clearly has in mind to protect your mind from the lies that will seek to infiltrate it. The unwholesome things that will seek to infiltrate your mind. Stay alert. Watch out for the lies. Watch out for those things that are not stimulating you to wholesome thinking. Be sober. Be able to do something about it. Let's go back to our verse in 1 Peter 1.13. There's a third thing to do. After you've identified it. After you've done something about it, refusing to listen to it, turned off the radio, whatever it is, he says, set your hope. With minds alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you. The third step there is to redirect your thinking. In other words, dwell on something that is true and wholesome, true and wholesome. Once you relinquish that, you don't just sit there with an empty mind. You fill your mind with truth. You fill your mind with wholesome thinking. You fill your mind with things that will spur you on, that will give you energy and excitement about the things that God's doing and the excitement about the things that God wants to do in your life. You will remember that you are somebody in Christ. You remember the promises of God that he has for you for the future. So, identification taking captive the thought, and then filling the mind with spiritually edifying thoughts. This is how Peter says that we are to guard our minds and hearts from people who promote lies, people who promote unwholesome thinking. Now, in the next three verses, he's going to take this process and apply it to an example regarding the second coming of Christ, verse 2 through 4. I want you to recall the words spoken in and past, the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through our apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Here, he's referring to people who are promoting the lie that Jesus isn't coming. They'll argue that, they'll argue that, look, for thousands and thousands of years, the saints have been proclaiming that Jesus was coming. Some have even set the date, which we know is unbiblical. 
And yet, look, no Jesus. The sun always rises in the morning, always sets in the evening. Things go on as they always have. Jesus doesn't come. The reason is he hasn't come is because he's not coming. So that's the lie. He identifies for us the lie that we are to take captive. He now tells us what to fill our minds with. Verse 5 and 6. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. So the example here is when you hear somebody saying, Jesus isn't coming, you remind yourself the scripture actually says he is. So you identify the lie. It's a lie because scripture says it is. You, you, you take it captive. You refuse to dwell on it. You refuse to even entertain the idea that Jesus isn't coming because it's so clear in scripture. So you dismiss it. But then he says here, fill your mind with two things. After you've taken it captive, after you've dismissed it, fill your mind. The first thing he says to fill your mind with is to remind yourself that God created everything that you see. Everything that exists, God created through his spoken word. The stars, the moon, the sun, the earth, the universe, you, he created it all. In other words, God is, has all power and all authority to do whatever he wants to do. That God, that there's no other more powerful entity that could ever stop God from accomplishing what he wants to do. Fill your mind with that. Remember the power of God, his immense power. The second thing he says to do is to remember that God has a proven record, track record, of doing what he says he will do. In other words, that he's trustworthy. That's why he's referring to the story of Noah. He's conjuring up in our minds the story of Noah. You know Noah, God told Noah, look, I'm going to flood the earth. The earth had never been flooded before. God said that there's going to be so much rain that falls down that it's going to flood the entire world. Noah began telling people, telling them to repent, telling them to place their faith in God. People mocked him. He's wanting to remember it took quite a while for it to happen, but it happened. Something that had never happened before. Something that the vast majority of the world mocked, thought it was a fairy tale. And yet God did it. So when you face the lie, when you face those people that say Jesus isn't coming, you immediately acknowledge that it's a lie. You push it out of your mind, and he says, remind yourself that God is all-powerful and that God has a proven track record of being trustworthy, that he doesn't lie, that he has said it, and while it may take some time, and it is taking some time, that he will do it. It is in the future. Nothing can stop him because he's so powerful. And he will never relinquish or go back on his promise because he is so faithful. God doesn't lie. He's coming back. Dwell on that. This is applicable to any lie that Satan seeks to infiltrate into our mind. Anything that's contrary to Scripture, anything regarding you and your future, 
to relinquish it. It's why it's so important to know Scripture, to study Scripture for yourself, to, feel, to be able to have the truth to fill your mind with. So a three-step process here. Identify it, take it captive, fill your mind with truth. The teaching today correlates very well with how scientists and professionals say that our mind and our brain works. The brain is the information center of our bodies. It's taking in and processing information constantly. It's deciding constantly what you will dwell on, what will you think about, what you will accept as truth, and what you will dismiss. And when we allow our brains to dwell on the same bit of information, we continue in those unhealthy conversations. We continue to surround ourselves with people who continually spew lies or unhealthy conversations that are not stimulating us in, and are not spiritually edifying, that we create what's called neural pathways in our mind. And that to the degree that a neural pathway is created in your mind is to the degree that your reasoning and your thought patterns are affected. Let me give you an illustration. We have, uh, my wife and I, we live out in the country. Uh, we have uh, several acres and part of our property is uh, hay and high grass. We don't mow it, we don't, we just leave it. And I bought my son several years ago a mini four-wheeler. And so I decided one spring to, before the hay and grass grew up too much, to, to cut it down, to cut a path through that field so that he could ride his four-wheeler down. Now, the first year that I did that, I had to mow it once a week. Every time I mowed the grass, I had to mow that path because it kept growing up. But after the years went by, after he continued to ride his four-wheeler down that path, I no longer had to mow it as often. Today, I only have to mow it a couple times a year. Why? Because most of it's dirt. The years and the, uh, of him riding back and forth through that path has, has even broadened the path and cleared the path. This is what takes place in your brain. When you dwell on something, it creates a pathway in your mind. The more you hear something, the more you entertain that something, the more you dwell on it, the more you talk about it, the more prominent it will become in your reasoning skills and your thinking patterns. The example I used when in junior high school, that was Satan seeking to create a pathway in my mind to attack my identity. The second time I heard it from someone I loved, more emotion, it became more emotional. It wasn't as easily dismissed. This is why a couple weeks ago or several weeks ago, I think the first week we, we, we started talking about false teachers, the Apostle Paul says these are believers that are slandering, that are gossiping, that are promoting these unhealthy conversations. Don't listen to them. And the reason why that it's so, it, it's so dangerous that, this can, that Satan can use people that we have emotional contact connections with is because we love them. And they may have really built into our lives in the past. But you have to always, through the power of the Spirit, be able to 
identify when they are being used by Satan to bring you down spiritually, to build a neural pathway in your mind that will affect your self-esteem, that will affect your confidence in what God can do in and through you, that will affect your passion and your energy for working for God. Had I not dismissed it immediately that first time and the second time that I was told that I was nothing, had I not had the truth in my mind that I actually was something, that I was a child of God, and I continued to think about that, and other people had said that to me, and to the extent that they did and to the extent that I dwelt on it would be a neural pathway in my mind that would have affected my identity and would have affected my actions, consequently affected my ability to be used by God. You know, there are algorithms um, that's been created to identify what it is that you watch and look at in regards to social media. So the goal of these marketers, their their goal is to get you to click on videos, uh, to read certain articles. And so there's these algorithms that identify uh, and tell them your political propensities. Uh, how you think, the videos you like, the, the letters you like, or the articles you like to read. Because they know if, if they give you something that's in line with what you've watched before and you've liked before, they're going to give you more because there's more chance you're going to read it and listen to it. And that's their goal. And so if you're on the conservative side of the spectrum politically, uh, you're going to, when you go to Facebook and you click on a video, if you ever notice, you're going to get a ton of other videos. And the vast majority of those other videos are in line with your political thinking. It's the same way with people, uh, conservatives, liberals. It's the same thing. People on the liberal spectrum, they're getting all the information. All their information on social media is bombarding them with the agenda, the liberal agenda. All the conservatives being bombarded with the conservative agenda. And you've got these two type, these two people in our society that are constantly listening, reading the things they agree with. And they're further developing these neural pathways. This is how civil war starts. This is how families implode. Because the conservatives are looking at the liberals and saying, you're idiots. And the liberals are looking at the conservatives, you're idiots. They've built these neural pathways to only take in They've driven down that path on that four-wheeler over and over and over again. They've got a highway of conservatism in their minds. They've got a highway of, con- of liberalism in their minds. And the two look at the other and say, what, what planet are you on? So it's so important for us to read broadly at times. Not to buy in to lies. Not to be convinced wrongly. But to be able to understand and have empathy towards the opinions of others. Let's take gossip as an example. You hear something, did you know so-and-so did this? Or do you know why so-and-so? That's normally what it is. They're reading into it. They're taking something that somebody did or said, and then they're, they're, they're uh, hyperbolizing it and, and, and interpreting for you why, the heart behind it. That's normally how gossip and slander works. Well, you actually had never heard that before. That's the first time you'd heard it. 
At that moment, you have the ability to say, really? Interesting. And go on. Or you have the ability to say, really? Yeah, let me think about that for a little bit. And you start building this neural pathway in your mind that leads to suspicion that when you talk to that person, when you interact with that person, everything they do is filtered through that pathway to where you can't even, you can't even hear what they're saying because you have convinced yourself of this lie or this half-truth or that their heart is bad, whatever it looks like. Let's take pornography as an example. The first time you look at pornography, you're building a pathway. You're mowing down the grass of truth. Pornography tells you that it will satisfy you. It lies bitterly. And it takes your mind captive. And to the extent that you allow your mind to dwell on those lustful thoughts and to see those images, it's to the extent that you build a pathway that you don't have to, you just drive right down it. And there's people that are so captivated by pornography that they can't even talk to a person without lustful thoughts coming in their mind. They can't go a day without giving in to lustful thoughts. Because they have built this highway in their neural pathway in their minds of lust. On and on we could go with the examples. On and on we could go with this, the fact that this is so important for us to understand that we only allow pathways of righteousness and pure and noble, things that spiritually edify us, things that prompt us to work for the Lord, things that free us in our identity to remind ourselves who we are in Christ and why we were created. How does a pass person uh, destroy a pathway in their mind? How, how do you destroy a pathway of lies and unwholesome thinking? How does a person that's listened to gossip and slander for so long and they've built this pathway in their mind, how do they free themselves of it? How does a person who's built a, a highway of, uh, of, of lust in their mind, how do they get free? Jesus said it this way. He says in John 8, 33, the truth, what will the truth do? Set you free. The truth shall set you free. Because that path in my field has been traveled down so much, that there's little grass anymore that grows in it. The only way to fix that path is planting new seed and quit traveling down it. That's the only way to fix that pathway. That's the only way to cover it up is to plant new grass seed and to quit driving the four-wheeler down it. And this is what Peter is saying. Plant truth in your mind and refuse to allow your mind to travel down the pathways of deception. Guard your mind so that you guard your heart, so that you guard your destiny. When a thought comes in your mind, you dismiss it and you build a new pathway of wholesome thinking, taking captive the thought and training your mind to think on wholesome things. 
the ability to do this, it's, it's kind of like building a muscle. I don't mean to make it sound like it's simple and easy. People whose minds have been captivated by lies, by Satan, it's a bondage. And so I'm not saying that just get over it. I'm not saying just, just stop. It takes time. You have to build your resolve to be able to do this. But, it, but it's like a muscle. The more you build it, the easier it is. The more that you train your mind to be able to identify truth and take it captive, to relinquish it, and to fill your mind with truth, the easier it becomes to live a life daily where the things you are dwelling on are building you up spiritually. Craig Groeschel in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind, says this, if we want to win the war in our minds, we have to be willing to rewire our thought patterns, rewire our brains. That's why it's so important to think about what you think about. You cannot defeat an enemy you cannot define. In other words, refuse to allow pathways of unwholesome thinking to be built in your minds and instead build pathways of righteousness and truth. Staying alert, being sober-minded, filling your mind with truth. Some of you may need to go home and talk to family members. Proverbs tells us that the wounds of a friend are faithful. In other words, some of you may have to have conversations, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your children. Maybe with your neighbors. Some of you may need to go to work tomorrow. And kindly and nicely tell them, look, the the conversations we've been having lately, they are not leading me to spiritual fervency. The things that you've been saying about the boss, there may be some elements of truth to it, but it's not helping me. It's robbing me of peace and joy and energy to do my job. It's not beneficial I no longer want to participate in it. The manner in which you've been speaking to me and saying things about me are affecting my identity. Yes, I have made mistakes in the past, but I'm no longer that person. Yes, I will make mistakes in the future, but it's covered under the blood. I'm a child of God. I want to have a relationship with you that's edifying. A relationship with you that we're not gossiping and slandering and talking about other people because it's not beneficial. We can't do anything about that anyways, even if it is true. And it's tearing me down spiritually. Jesus said Satan is the father of lies. The father of lies. In other words, he seeks to infiltrate our minds with all kinds of lies to rob us of our peace, to rob us of our effectiveness, to use us even to dismantle the effectiveness of others. Don't let any unwholesome thing come out of your mouth. Only that which is edifying to the listener. Peter says this, if you get nothing out of these two books, get this, get the ability to guard your mind. Because if you guard your mind, you will guard your heart, and if you guard your heart, you will guard your character and your actions. 
You will guard your peace. You will guard your joy. You may be here today. You may not be a Christian. You may be, have listened to lies, lies regarding the integrity of Scripture, the trustworthiness of Scripture, lies regarding who the historical Jesus really was or wasn't. Peter here in this example, he's telling you to relinquish those doubts and, and, and to fill your mind with the truth that Jesus is coming. Whether you believe him to be the Son of God or not, he's coming. Be ready. Be prepared. Repent of your sins. Place your faith in him. Seek him. You will find him. Scripture promises us. You may be here this morning and you're a Christian, but you're weighted down by the world. Your mind is filled with anxiety and fear. You've allowed your mind to be filled with all kinds of lies about your future. Peter says, Jesus is coming. Your future is bright. Your future is glorious. God does have a purpose for you, and it's an eternal one, and Jesus is coming. Remind yourself of that. Some of you have been told that you're nothing. You've been told by people dearly that you've loved. You've been bombarded with that message much more than I have. You feel worthless. You feel like you have no purpose in life. You have no future in life. Jesus is coming is the truth. And the fact that he is coming is based on the fact that you are his most prized creation. That you are somebody. So much so that he's coming for you. So much so that he's given you his Holy Spirit to free you from the lies and deceptions of the enemies, to free you from the lies and the deceptions that Satan has used others to infiltrate and build these pathways in your mind of lies and discouragement and, and, and things that attack your self-esteem. You are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Some of you have made mistakes in the past, sinful mistakes or financial mistakes. Look, you cannot go back to the past and redo it. You need to remind yourself that God has the power to send Jesus the first time to die for our sins, to resurrect him, and he has the power and the trustworthiness and the faithfulness that he's going to do it again. So much power does he have that he has cast your sins from the, as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. So much power that he has, if he really thought that mistake that you made in the past would really affect you negatively, he wouldn't have let you did it. Did it? We could go on and on and on with the examples, the, encourage, the encouragement I make today. The exhortation that I make for you today is to allow the Holy Spirit to identify, what am I allowing in my mind? What pathways have, have I allowed to be built in my mind? What am I, current pathways are being built in my mind that Satan uses to infiltrate my mind with lies about who I am in Christ, what he has for me, lies about the church that I love, lies about brothers and sisters, things that may have an element of truth in, but Satan seeks to dismantle my confidence in myself and others 
and the church to build highways of doubt? What unwholesome things are you dwelling on this morning? Who are you allowing to be used by Satan to infiltrate your mind to build these pathways? Identify it. Take it captive. Fill your mind with truth. You may be here this morning, and over the past several weeks, we've been talking about false teachers. You may have felt the, the Spirit identifying to you that you're actually the false teacher. That you're actually the one that's, that's infiltrating people's minds with unwholesome thinking. Verse 7, the last verse we're going to look at today, he specifically is talking to you. He says this, By the same word, the present heavens and earths are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Here, he, he wants to invoke what we talked about a couple weeks ago, a healthy fear. He wants each of us to evaluate me, to evaluate my life, my speech. What am I spewing? What am I doing? Am I talking? Am I filling the minds of others with unwholesome thinking? And if we fall short, if after we identify, are we the one that's spewing the things that are causing and bringing people down, are we the ones? And once you identify that, he says, here, fill your mind with two things. Remember that the world is temporal. The world is reserved for fire. The earth is going to burn. And the second thing, relatedly, is judgment day is coming. In other words, have a healthy fear. Judgment day is coming. When each of us will stand before God and give an account for every deed that we've done, for every word that we've spoken. So in other words, don't, not only, don't just, don't follow them, don't be them. Because all will give an account to God. Become a person that fills your brothers and your sisters, your spouses, your children minds with truth, with things that are edifying, things that are encouraging, things that are strengthening, things that will help them gain a, self, a healthy self-esteem and identity, self-identity, and who they are in Christ, the new creation that they have become as a result of Christ. Be a person that fills others' minds that stimulates others' minds to healthy thinking. May we all pursue that. Let's pray. Father God, I, I pray, I pray for myself. I pray, Lord, that you would help me become a person to an increasing degree, Lord, that is used by your spirit, Lord, not Satan. That, Father, I would watch not only what I allow into my mind, but I would also watch what I speak and put into the minds of others. Father, I thank you for your truth, your word that warns us that we can, we can start building neural pathways in other people's minds, unhealthy pathways, Lord, that will lead to destruction. Help us to never do that, God. 
and the times that we have, forgive us. Help us, Father, to take your word seriously, Lord, and to evaluate the, the conversations that we're having, the things that we're allowing in our minds through the movies we're watching, through the music we're listening to, through the people we're talking to. Help us to evaluate our words, Lord, that we become instruments of encouragement, that we become instruments whereby the Holy Spirit is using us to stimulate others to wholesome thinking. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Wellspring Church. For more information about Wellspring, please visit wellspringcc.org.